Stravacraft Coffee is one of the longest and most loyal partners of DNVR. You've heard us talk a lot about them over the years. They're offering a new code to you that involves saving 25% off your first purchase. That's right, 25%. We've told you about the code DNVR20 for 20% off. Now, DNVR25 for 25% off your first purchase. Of course, StravaCraft Coffee, it's CBD infused, can help you with so many ailments. It's different for everyone. Check out the reviews online and you will find out how StravaCraft Coffee has helped them. They deliver straight to your door. You can also subscribe and save 20% off every purchase for life. So if you want that one-time code to try it and figure out if you like it or not, use the code DNVR25. If you've tried it, you like it, you want it on a regular basis, then subscribe and get 20% off every purchase. And then what will happen is you can time your purchases to where they're going to come in every two, four, six, eight weeks, whatever you want, and you'll get 20% off every time. And if you're in the Denver area, you've never had Strava Craft Coffee, come on down to the DNVR bar and try some of Strava's cold brew, which is on tap at the DNVR bar, come in on in and try it. You won't be disappointed. So remember, Strava Craft Coffee. Use that code DNVR20 for 25% off or subscribe and get 20% off every order for life. Let's dive into the show. Welcome into the DMVR Broncos podcast. I'm Andrew Mason. And before we get started, I want to tell you about our friends over at MSU Denver Online who present this podcast to you. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education that allows you to adapt into varying careers. So at MSU Denver, you can go and build your tool- toolbox. And you know what? You can still work. MSU students will tell you all about it. They work double the hours while taking classes of students at any other school in Colorado. They find a way to help you build education around your life. MSU Denver Online will put that education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members are taking MSU online classes this summer. And you know what? You don't, you're too, you're not too young. You're not too old to further your education with MSU Denver online. Check them out. They're the proud uh, presenting sponsor of this podcast, which of course starts with me, Andrew Mason. Good to talk to you. Joined today by Andre Simone filling in for both Zach Stevens and Ryan Konigsberg. So, any pressure, Dre, filling in for two people rather than just one? No, none, none. I'm. Uh, that's what I do at this place. You know, <laughs> if uh, if if one needs to be replaced, I'm usually the third one down the line. So the, this is oh, just fine. Yeah. Oh, come on, come on. You're the. 
but you do you do pay shit in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I guess uh, it would. I don't really want to call you a utility infielder because that implies that you're not starting every day, but you are starting every day. You're on DNVR bets every day. So this is more just kind of taking on another responsibility. This is it's basically true. you're Shohei Otani at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, coming from you, that's a real honor. I oh, always look it. forward to doing these pods mm-hmm. with you though, because we, we don't always get to do it often. And, and mm-hmm. if there's any nervousness coming into today, it's not replacing RK or Zach. It's uh, it's Hank's stellar performance yesterday. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Hank and I had not done a podcast before like, wow. like that. And uh, with, with Hank, he alluded to it, I think briefly in the podcast. Then we talked a little bit about it after he had all of these Broncos yeah. thoughts that had been yeah. building up and building up over the course of the off season. And they just all came pouring out in a two hour and 24 minute avalanche. <laughs> and it Very just went, it just went on. And of course it started with uh, Aaron Rodgers because a lot of podcasts start with Aaron Rodgers. Right. This right. one won't because we dealt with uh, the fallout of him turning down that massive contract from the Packers uh, yesterday and what that could mean uh, short and, and long-term but uh, I should ask you, Dre, because we haven't really talked about this, and we're going to get into the Broncos here in a moment. So for those who don't want Aaron Rodgers' talk, we're going to move quickly past it. What do you think the end game is for A-Rod, not just this year, but next year? Well, I do think he's maintaining that flexibility where at worst next year he can be a, a little more in a – in control here i think i've always thought this thing needs to get uglier before we can have any sort of resolution and i've been surprised that the ugliness for lack of a better word hasn't been accelerated more that's fair Um, it's all been quite mum so i was expecting things to kind of start rolling downhill um much faster not for us to get here to late july and the most we've got is him turning down a contract extension. Um, and and the, the other thing that makes this very unpredictable for me is it seems quite clear that the Packers kind of had a two-year plan going into last offseason mm-hmm. that got altered by how well Rodgers played. He's calling them on it, and they are reacting. Um, and so – and when you as a front office aren't aren't trying to execute a long-term plan but rather you're reacting to a situation that's been imposed on you and i think it's going to be very interesting to see what situation for example the avalanche fall under with landiscog in this are are they were they caught off guard are they reacting or was this all part of the greater plan that they're executing um that makes the packers very unpredictable um, and I'm not even sure who's who's going to call the shots on a decision this big, ultimately, right? Is it team president, GM? Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at. And so part of me thinks, well, that all that all leans to an opening towards um, Rogers getting moved. But that also makes me think it makes them very unpredictable. And at this point, I have no indication that they're going to do anything other than sink in their heels. Yeah, and it seems like kind of the next key date is a start of camp and what happens. But then after that, just seeing how 
if Rodgers isn't there in Green Bay, seeing how Jordan Love looks and uh, then there there may be a little bit of kind of, you know, putting your finger up to the breeze and uh, seeing which way the winds of public opinion are drifting in Packer Nation as training camp goes on because Packer fans haven't seen Jordan Love. They didn't see him last year. There was no Mm -hmm. preseason. You know, when Aaron Rodgers came in the league in 05, he played a good chunk of the rookie preseason. They watched him in training camp. Of course, the pandemic uh, changed all that last year. So when practice begins next week, it's the first kind of in-person glimpse that, or or even on-camera glimpse that Green Bay fans have really had of of Jordan Love. And I think that's going to kind of uh, uh, affect affect the perspective, but also even kind of what the Packers do and and what could be uh and what could be palatable here. So it's very much in Green Bay's court. I mean, the one thing yeah, that yeah. I think I you can say from the Broncos' perspective is this: it, it Aaron Rodgers, I think he will have if he has not played his last game with the Packers yet. I think his last game with the Packers will come at the end of this season. I think he is not a Packer by this time next year yeah the question is do they trade him between now and the trading deadline or do they work out some kind of deal i know andrew brandt former packer executives has alluded to this where he comes back to play for this year and then it is kind of the second of that two-year plan to which you alluded and then you you move him in the coming off season the only thing with that and why that hurts the broncos is all of a sudden you go from effectively only two teams being in the mix for Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. right now, the Broncos and Raiders and the Broncos clearly being in much better position to where if Aaron Rodgers is on the market in the spring, do you have a dozen or even more teams in the mix for Aaron Rodgers? And right. does and what does yep. that do to the trade price? And does it to become too rich for George Payton's blood? Of course, the thing that could change that is Drew Locke winning the job, taking the Kurt Warner-like leap forward that he made with the Rams back in 99 and becoming the guy, clearly. That's the thing that could change that. Yeah, I think it's very comparable to um, in world soccer. You see this a lot in contract disputes. Mm-hmm. Player wants to be um, sold off. The team can't find an adequate deal that's going to compensate them properly, but mm-hmm. the player doesn't want to sign an extension and it's kind of saying, well, if you don't, if you don't sell me now, I'm going to leave in a year. Often the compromise that is found is mm-hmm. an extension is signed, but with a release clause in there, yeah. that's going to be easier to get out of. So everyone's just trying to buy themselves flexibility mm-hmm. and, you know, a, an out that's not going to be disastrous. And I, I, I mean, I think that solution you outlined mm-hmm. is, uh, it's a compromise that would stink for the Broncos, but I mean, again, yeah, unless it, it gets uglier, you we we are rooting for ugliness in Denver. Period. Yeah, we are. It, it would stink for the Broncos unless part of a compromise that allowed him to play out this year with Green Bay and be traded next year was he said, "Okay, you're going to trade me to one of a very small list of teams." If he said, "You're you're going to trade me to Las Vegas," it's kind of hypothetically here. Las Vegas, Denver, or Philadelphia, or Las Vegas, Denver, or Miami. Um, in that case, then you wouldn't be in 
as heavy a competition as it would if it got to like just he could be traded anywhere. But it still wouldn't be ideal as ideal as right now where the Broncos effectively because of their cap situation and because of the the cap scenarios of other teams. If Aaron Rodgers is on the market right now, they are the overwhelming favorite because of circumstances. No, totally. So we'll see. Yeah. Pretty unique too that the Broncos find themselves in this spot. Yeah, it is. It is unique and it has dominated the off season. It will not, I think dominate uh, talk at least the first few days of, of camp when we start really kind of diving into the Drew Lock, Teddy Bridgewater uh, competition. First of all, before we get started, we're going to dive into Bill Barnwell's comments on on the Broncos' skill position players and, where, and there are some where they rank. First of all, who do you think wins the QB competition? Mm, uh, Bridgewater. Okay. Bridgewater. It just... I think a veteran locker room is ready to follow him because he's kind of been in it before. And I think a staff that's, you know, is on a shorter leash Mm -hmm. is going to be inclined. Yeah. I can't get past. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I I can't get past the fact that you have a staff that is in, in must win mode. And I think that actually extends all the way up to George Payton, because if this team goes on the market, George Payton has a six-year contract. He has financial security. But the team being on the market, if, if it is sold to some mega billionaire, yeah. money bags owner who maybe just went into space, then <laughs> that owner will have no problem saying, I have my own person. I want to oh, be yeah. GM. Oh, yeah. yeah, Payton, you've got a large contract, but I want my own person. And I mean, Edgar Kaiser 40 years ago when he got, he bought the Broncos didn't take him long to clean out red Miller and Fred Gerke. And they were successful to, to bring in Grady Alderman who didn't last long as GM. And then Dan Reeves last a long time as head coach. And so that's why I think actually the pressure to win now actually Mm. goes sort of beyond the obvious of Vic Fangio. Fair point. Fair point. And I mean, it, so much depends on Drew's development. Yeah. That's it, kind of the balls in Drew's court. Um, can I, before we dive into Barnwell or let's dive into Barnwell now, no, but no. I just want to put this hear on the table because yes. you, you are one of those people who I can really talk at a, at a graduate level about Ooh. front office and uh, long-term team building. I'm flattered. So given, Thank you. given the unique spot, that the Broncos are in circumstantially um, to just have an upper hand on anyone else right now on Aaron Rodgers, And we know that that could, that, that stranglehold they have will lessen as time passes. If you were the GM in that kind of unique spot, what would you do to try and maximize this small window of opportunity in in being kind of the lone contender for Aaron Rodgers, if you can pull it off now, you mean what I would I, what would I offer in trade, or just what else I would do roster wise and organizationally? I mean, it, it just it, yeah, what you would offer in trade, or like knowing what you know about mm-hmm. how front offices have, like mm-hmm. what could you do to wiggle this loose a little more? I mean, I. I'd say, first of all, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would not be 
overly aggressive and kind of pressing the Packers. I, I would kind of be on the phone with Brian Gutekunst from time to time, but maybe be even be kind of talking about other types of deals. Basically, I would make sure the lines of communication were always open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would, and I would also say this: I'd say, look, you, I, I'd sort of do the John Elway, John Fox thing with Peyton Manning. I'd say, like, look you know where our situation is but i don't have, like i don't have to tell you where we are quarterback wise and roster wise um but just if things get to a point where it's no longer tenable let's let, please call a, just let's talk first because we do have a roster from which you could kind of pick pick and choose some pieces here and I, again, I would I would not I would not press, and I and I would just kind of be kind of cool, but maybe even like talking about other types of deals, for example. So you know, just to kind of keep the line of communication communication open. I mean, be kind of, and you get into training camp, you start monitoring what's going on in Green Bay, and if they have an injury, maybe you call them and say, hey, you know, we're maybe you have an injury right. at wide receiver, you know, hey, we got some depth here. You want to talk about a deal? Like maybe use that sort of thing to create to again kind of keep things open and yeah. and and lead to something else and then also in the course of conversations maybe even just kind of talk about uh talk about players talk you know and say hey you you've already always been honest and you know talk about the players on the broncos maybe you start you kind of start saying hey you know a uh, player I, I don't want to name a name but uh, player x is uh, you know do, doing really well you kind of give them some right inside right. info and all and all that and you make sure kind of it's an open and also you make sure it's open and honest and trustworthy. Now, the thing that I know about George Payton's reputation around the NFL is he is considered to be very trustworthy and yeah. very fair and very honest. So that I think helps out here. Absolutely. That absolutely. You know, if George tells you something about a player, he's not trying to sell him to you. It's what he really believes. Right. That's the reputation that he has in the personnel and scouting community. So, I think that helps out as well. But if you, but besides that, if you're George Payton, you've got, I think you're, you're kind of making two plans here. You've got the plan for if it's Drew and Teddy, yeah. if Drew wins yeah. the job, kind of giving him this year to show whether he can be the long-term viable answer. If, mm -hmm. Because if not, mm -hmm. next year's quarterback class, I think it's better than a lot of people expect it to be now the thing is though it's wide open too. it's wide open and nil name and image and likeness has changed everything because think about this we saw nick saban say yesterday that bryce young his quarterback who hasn't played is pushing towards seven figures in mm -hmm. nil money yeah. so if that's the case what is sam howell worth what is Spencer Rattler worth when these guys are already Heisman candidates? And I bring up Howell to say, because of this, of all the quarterbacks right now, there's a lot of question marks, but in scouting circles, there's probably the most consensus around him being a, a top of the draft guy, top, if not yep. number one, top five, top yes. eight picks. Sam Howell could be in a scenario where he says, man, I'm making 1.5 in name image, mm -hmm. image likeness. I really like being in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And 
I'm going to come back for 2022, my senior year, take out a Lloyd's of London policy just in case I get hurt and I can't sign a massive NFL contract, top top of the draft contract. But I think for all these guys, NIL might make them think, do do I come back for one more year because I really love being where I am? Andrew Luck did it, but... Andrew Luck, you know, he comes from a, a pretty wealthy, well-to-do family. He, yeah. you know, he was at Stanford. There were different circumstances in play, and also, I don't think he wanted to be a Carolina Panther. Uh, right. But if you're if you're Sam Howell, let's say Houston gets number one overall pick, and you're like, I don't want to play for the Houston Texans. And it do has you come back? The world up exactly. So the quarterback class might be really good, but if Howell and Spencer Rattler decide, oh. I'm loving life yeah. at college. I'm going to come back, keep making my money through NIL, and then go to the NFL. This is a huge game changer, Dre, in how we talk about the draft. 100%. And I think it might lead to a lot more scenarios where, like in the NBA, Mm -hmm. you'll have guys who stop working out for teams because they already have a deal for another team if Mm -hmm. they were to drop to a certain spot. And agents know that doing this, might actually allow you to go higher because a team knows you might have a deal lower and they just mm-hmm. pull the plug. Um, I think it's going to sound like baseball. That. Yeah, it's, not- it's going to be like baseball. I think the line, this also makes it so that the lines of communication aren't as blurred. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think through agents, representatives, business associates, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to maybe gauge, hey, what teams in the top 15 might want to select me and who's willing to give me some greater insurances under the table. This is going to open the world up. It is. And Rattler and Howell in particular are interesting because to maximize their NIL money, they both signed with the same marketing firm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, smart, smart move. Yeah, but <laughs> this is really going to be oh, a, a wrench that is thrown in to where, like, maybe, I mean, we know that teams scout quarterbacks two or three years out. And so you can't dismiss the notion that when the Broncos were looking at quarterbacks in this year's draft, that Absolutely. they that may have said, okay, well, Justin Fields is good at nine, but we look at maybe we like Rattler or Howell or Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati or, or, you know, or any, or Malik Willis from Liberty. Maybe we like these guys better, Mm -hmm. but you don't know that they're going to be in the next draft class unless they are a senior, but that's not the case for Howell and Rattler. I mean, these they're, if they come out after 21, they're leaving eligibility on the table. So this is really, it, it, it really, alters things and we're going into a new reality and i'm glad the players are going to make their money i'm excited about the fact they'll actually be able to 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 make money off off of themselves Mm -hmm. but this is it's going to be a a game changer for the draft and i think you will see some players say if i can make money right now i'm gonna stay right here and enjoy this and uh, you know there 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 are many play there are many players especially in basketball and football that will go back and tell the younger guys hey i wish i had one more year in college oh yeah, oh, yeah. and now you can make money 100 percent. i mean and on top of that we have a <laughs> the most unpredictable coming into a preseason draft that i have ever um studied 
Yeah. Because of course, any team west of the Mississippi played what six games if they were lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I mean, there are teams like Utah who had a game canceled every other week and played four. Right. Uh, so and on top of that, the teams that were playing out east, they might have been missing their best players who just decided to hold out like Jamar Chase and so many mm-hmm. other studs. Um, so last year's tape isn't the greatest indicator. Right. So we're going to come into October. The like top 100 I've got on my computer right now is going to com- be completely revolutionized more than any other year. And what are going to be the earning opportunities for that one guy who comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden is kind of the Heisman runner-up who no one saw coming. It's going to be one of the more exciting, unpredictable seasons of college football of our lifetimes. I agree. And then the draft's going to be intriguing because you mentioned the top 100, but it really starts getting interesting beyond the top 100 because so many guys opted to come back because they basically didn't have Yep. a semblance of a season last year. I mean, the last two to three, two and a half rounds of this draft, it was just, it, it was more guesswork than usual. It's always to some oh, yeah. degree oh, yeah. guesswork, but it was pretty barren. I mean, you had Carolina taking a long snapper. And I, look, I actually like that pick because you're when you got to round seven, it really was just, oh, we'll take a flyer on a guy here at least a long snapper, you say, well, this guy's going to make the team. I'm fascinated to see how many or how few of these guys on day three make their teams this year. But then the result, the, the result of that is next year, the draft pool will be deeper. So a seventh round pick next year might be like a fifth round pick in a normal year. And then the undrafted guys might be like late fifth to sixth round picks in, in right. normal years. So, that's what it was. It was intriguing to watch that. And you kind of, and some of the, the draft picks that were made, uh, you think back uh, to the Broncos of taking, you know, taking Jonathan Cooper, for instance, out of Ohio state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. Last year the, or this past draft, that's the, a perfect year. To take that shot because he's a, you know, big, he's a big school guy. He's got high leverage experience and he's got a heart condition, but right. why not take the shot on him there? Because, Every because everything is a huge was a huge roll of the dice. So gamble on the guy who's got high who's got high level experience and a special a special team and can play special teams, and uh, fell and and fell because of the heart condition. Yeah, it so, almost plateaued out some of the risk guys. Where yes, they just all fell into the same pool, and it was like, okay, let's roll. So fascinating. You know what? I apo- I apologize if you were expecting more Bronco stuff than draft stuff, but you had to know that with Dre and I together it was going to devolve in a draft at some point (laughs) about who guys who could be here, but let's talk about the guys who are here. And in particular, let's talk about the Broncos skill position players other than the quarterback position. And the launching point is Bill Barnwell's article on ESPN this week, where he ranks the skill position art arsenals again, non QB from 32 to one. And uh, the 32nd pick was obvious, of course, that being the Houston Texans, I, who may well have the worst roster that I have seen in at least 25 years. I, I just enjoy telling, you know, reading off their running back room to people. It's, yeah. it's hilarious in 2021 that they have a running back room. 
that they have. And I mean, look, <laughs> it's plenty of half decent guys, Phil being probably the best of them all, but it's just, it, 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 it's such a great example mm-hmm. of the lack of vision that this roster was constructed. with. Yeah. I don't know what their plan is. I, uh, none. I, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So 32 at the bottom, Houston, number one at the top, Tampa Bay, no, no surprise there. Yeah. But there's a lot of excitement about the Broncos skill position guys, justifiably so. And yet on this ranking, they come in at number 17. And here's what Bill Barnwell writes about the Broncos arsenal. Quote, what looked like a cast of budding stars heading into 2020 didn't pan out. Cortland Sutton torn ACL in the opener while Tim Patrick had a quietly solid season in Sutton's absence. It took a week 17 performance against a lonely Raiders defense to get Jerry Cutie's rookie numbers looking decent. Rookie receiver KJ Hamler was mostly quiet, and while Melvin Gordon averaged a superficially impressive 4.6 yards per carry, he was 44th in success rate, averaged just 4.9 yards per catch as a receiver, and fumbled four times. The Gordon signing also marginalized Philip Lindsay, who got hurt and then left this offseason. The potential for a juggernaut, at least in terms of weapons, is still here. Talks a little bit about the running backs as well, but then says, the pieces are here, but unless the Broncos get a breakout season from Drew Locke or trade for Aaron Rodgers, we not, might not get to see just how talented their weapons really are. Down three spots, by the way, in their skill position arsenal ranking from last year. And I have to say, I, I disagree with, dro- with dropping them. I don't think the Broncos are necessarily a top one, top two, top three, okay? Yeah, I do think because part of this ranking is based on their expected production. I do think, though, that this arsenal would be ranked top five based on projected production if Aaron Rodgers were here. So even though they're not ranking the quarterbacks, when talking because it's a ranking based on expected production in 2021, it kind of sort of is. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I find this top 21 quite fascinating because I think there are some groups that on paper looked more accomplished, but yeah, probably wouldn't project to be mm-hmm. as productive if you were um, ranking it that way, even kind of regardless of the quarterback. And then there are other groups like the Saints or even Cardinals who are behind the Broncos, who I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I yeah. think the Broncos are a very hard team to do this exercise with, similar to the New York Giants, who surprisingly are ranked 16th ahead of them. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 12th or 13th, rather, um, that are teams that look very nice and very promising on paper. I'd add the Jacksonville Jaguars to this group. Yeah. And the but Jaguar, I mean, the Jaguars are pretty well down there at 25. And yet you start right. looking around and saying, um, well, they're they're stacked at running back, probably too stacked too because stacked. Yep. It, James Robinson showed he could be the guy, and then you draft Travis Etienne, which right. in a vacuum on the picket on the pick itself is defensible but isn't defensible when you're talking about what you already had at running back and what else you need, but they have LaVisca Chanel coming back. They have DJ shark coming back. Right. There are, there are pieces there, although I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly in no way sold on the, on tight end. And that's where you look at what they have and you're like, wow, to be honest with you, uh, 
if you're talking about, okay, we want to make some trades of, of surplus items. If, uh, if Albert Okwebunam does well, but there's no room at the end for him, Jacksonville is the kind of place where you might trade him to where he's going to get playing time. And you get back a de- decent return on the pick. So Gosh, that's how perfect. bad they are at, at tight end yeah. right now is Jacksonville. Well, Anyhow. that is the differentiator for the Broncos in that kind of tier of mm-hmm. looks real promising on paper, but what have you actually done mm-hmm. at the NFL level? The Broncos are kind of too deep at every single spot. They are. And they have, they have surplus that can't, that uh, isn't going to get on the field as often as it should. I mean, take wide receiver, for example, everybody's healthy. Somebody among the quartet of Sutton, Judy, Hamler, and Tim Patrick isn't playing. And Hamler's speed is so intriguing, but at the same time, you've got to get Tim Patrick on the field because he's so dadgum reliable. I mean, the, the funny thing with Tim Patrick is that like several months ago, before anything about Aaron Rodgers leaving came up, I floated Tim Patrick as someone that Green Bay should trade for because he's an Aaron Rodgers type of receiver that that Rodgers would absolutely would absolutely love him and you know maybe it ends up working out to where they do play together at some point but Pat, yeah, Patrick in some for some teams would be an 85 90 catch guy but there's just not going to be enough opportunity for him here well, and that's the other thing that scares you is that the depth is great, probably top five in the league, and that's a super conservative estimate. At wide receiver, just all skill. At wide receiver, yeah. especially. Yes. Um, so we're talking about like a really high floor skill position group. Mm-hmm. And obviously because of their age and just, I mean, there's premier tools down the line, whether yes. it's Sutton and Patrick size or the speed and quickness that Judy and uh, KJ bring to the table, the kind of freak athletes you have at tight end that are just quite mm-hmm. unique. And of course, you know, the, the young legs are running back. So there, there's a potential for an incredibly high ceiling as well. But you to do these rankings, you got to right. kind of handicap. Well, where does it? Yeah. Then where do the they actually rank with this high floor and high potential ceiling? Because right. they've kind of been a bottom of the barrel offense at the same time. So you know, it's boy, they're incredibly hard to rank. Let's take the teams that are kind of around them. Let's go the yeah. teams immediately ahead of the Broncos at seventeen is the New York Giants at sixteen, and you look at the Giants and. At first, you say kind of man. It's the Giants. I would say are a team that you look at, and they're like the spider, the two Spider-Man meme. <laughs> the Giants and, and and Broncos kind of point at each other because they're very similar. The Broncos have a better defense, uh-huh. but both have these huge questions with their young quarterbacks, and yeah. both have put to, have quietly put together some. Good, some good players, yeah. good skill position players. Now, the Giants have the singularly best player in the group, and that's Saquon Barkley. And they added, yes. and they added Kenny Galladay. They have a- Evan Ingram, but Ingram can't. You know, he did. He was healthier last year, but he's had some injury issues. And they pick Kadari- They they pick Kadarius Tony as well this year. But I would say the Broncos, on balance, 
are better and should be more productive because they have more depth. I have more confidence in the Broncos third and fourth receivers and second tight end and second running back than I do with the Giants, which is why I think the Broncos should be at least higher than the Giants. Yeah, I I agree. And frankly, I even think when you look at their number one wide receiver or their number one tight end as the betting man that I am, I would bet if you were to survey all 32 front offices in the NFL and ask who has the greater trade value, Cortland Sutton or Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram or Noah Fant, I think if you combined all those votes together, the two Broncos would have more votes than the two Giants. Contract matters too in yeah. terms of value. Totally. Exactly. Who's better this year? I mean, that that's another debate, but in terms of contract right. value, yes. Pittsburgh at number 15. Now, mm. I think this, this again, with all respect to the players the Broncos have, Pittsburgh has the top guy when comparing the two, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, yes. And interesting, though, you know, Juju and Saquon, again, a bit of projecting there because mm-hmm. their best in the NFL has been, we've seen more flashes than sustained success to this point. Well, I mean, <laughs> Juju's flashes have been, have, 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 been pretty, have been pretty amazing, although last year, uh, only had only had 831 yards. It's funny, like when I was kind of taking a look at this and I was looking at the numbers, I'm I'm like, I could have sworn you had a thousand yards last year. The other thing is also the receivers, the, the Steelers always have depth at receiver. That's another That's thing. Incredible. And why people didn't think Juju was going to come back because Pittsburgh just, you know, they all they just go out back to the receiver tree and pick <laughs> another one. And That's it, right. there, you know, it's if they draft a receiver you have a pretty good idea he's gonna be terrific i mean we saw that with chase claypool last year baltimore is three spots ahead of the broncos and yeah you know what i don't i don't i don't i don't see it and now that being said lamar jackson is the guy that's unlocking him and this is where Yes, they may be more productive because of the quarterback, but I would take the Broncos skill guys over Baltimore's, which are Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews at tight end, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins. And then uh, and then they have a true running back platoon with Dobbins and uh, Gus Edwards. Who's the of Combining Ravens and Broncos, who's the best skill position player? Who ranks number one among all those? We had a clear number one with the last. Two. Yeah, see, the, and this is the interesting thing because you've this got a, a, a lot of guys who are pretty good. Yeah. I think by the end of this season, the number one guy among those two teams could be Jerry Judy. Totally. Yes. Right now, right now, because I mean, Sammy Watkins, I mean, he's just kind of he's a complimentary receiver. Rashad Bateman, I love, I love, and I think, love, I think he's going to be be terrific. But like, you look at Mark Andrews, and I think Noah Fant's going to be better than Mark Andrews. Fant's more explosive than Mark Andrews. 
Now, again, but again, it comes down to the quarterback. Lamar Jackson has really good chemistry with Mark Andrews, and Noah Fant hasn't built that kind of chemistry with any quarterback yet because yeah. of the issues the Broncos have had at quarterback. But like Mark Andrews, like he's, you kind of see it when Lamar Jackson's out there. He is such, he is such a wonderful security blanket for Lamar. Well, it's such he a gets great out wide trouble. receiver. So, yeah, and I mean, but there is a reason Noah Fant was drafted 20th overall and Mark Andrews was still around right. in the third round. It wasn't even the first tight end drafted by his own team in that very own draft. Exactly. Noah's got the special skill set. Andrews is a good tight end. And remember, did they also they had Hayden Hurst as well. I mean, really, it was yeah, yeah. Andrews becoming the guy was a little bit of an upset. They expected Hayden Hurst to be tight end mm-hmm. one. So yeah, total. Andrews and then, was more of a one-trick wide receiver, you know, receiving right. tight end, and mm-hmm. he's really maximized that talent. Exactly. And then Cincinnati at number thirteen, and another interesting one. It's an interesting one. Yet yeah. Joe Mixon, yes, is coming off of an injury. Yeah. So you don't know how much he's got. He's going to have in the tank this year. T. Higgins, very good rookie season. Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd, reliable in the slot. I feel like it's what's interesting is you could say with the Broncos, all right, they should be higher because of projection that you can project that Cortland Sutton continues to improve coming back from the knee, knee injury. You can protect that project that if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, Jerry Judy should have a huge season. I actually said, uh, I, I said yesterday to somebody that if Jerry Judy has Teddy Bridgewater throwing in passes this year. I think he can catch a hundred passes because their chemistry is there. But so there's projections involved, but the Bengals being at 13 is a huge projection based on, I think one thing. And it is that Joe Burrow already has chemistry with Jamar Chase, even though it's at the college level. I think that's why they're talking about the Bengals being so high, even though Chase hasn't taken a pro snap. It's another team that loses out on the tight end matchup to the Broncos significantly. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's all about your projecting um, Jamar Chase. And this is exactly why the Broncos have dropped two spots because yeah. the Broncos a year ago were getting the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. of projecting what Jerry Judy would do as the most NFL ready of those wide receivers. Now, you know, mm-hmm. the, the shine's fallen off a little after a, an up-and-down rookie year to be expected, and Jamar Chase is getting the benefit of the doubt, and Judy less so. And I think that's that's almost where we're splitting hairs here between 13 and 17, right? Yeah. NFL pro, NFL projection and things like this, it's very much like a kid with, uh, with toys. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, the kid gets, you know, they have Christmas time comes, and they have all these new toys. And all of a sudden, they stop playing with the toys that they got for their birthday seven months ago. And then five months later, their birthday comes. They stop playing with the Christmas toys and all that. And they just you move on so quickly, even though uh, the toys that are five or six months old are still perfectly good, but they're not shiny and new. You know what you know what those things can do. You don't know what these other things can do. And so I feel like some of this, it's. It's 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 the unknown, but with the unknown, everybody always assumes, oh, this is going to be terrific. Whereas usually there's, you know, usually you end up find, finding out something uh, that you didn't that you didn't know that, 
okay, they struggle in one way. And then also the focus on ma- on maximizing the projection of the unknown also diminishes the notion that a player from early struggles can improve. And I, I'd say, you know, those that believe in Drew Locke long-term certainly feel this way. Though Jerry Judy, I think there's a long history of great receivers who struggled with drops early and then yeah. figured it out in year two. And I mean, he, he had his drops at Alabama and that didn't prevent him from being one of the all-time greats in college football. So not a high rate. That was the thing. Like it, the drop rate for him spiked last year relative to where it was at Alabama. Like with KJ yeah. Hamler, the drop rate that he had last year, and he actually had a higher drop rate than thing Jerry Judy. But that was fairly consistent with his drop rate at Penn State. So with Hamler being a speed guy, but having some drops, you kind of accept that as part of the equation. Mm-hmm. With Jerry Judy, it was a surprise. No, when KJ Hamler drops the ball, with all respect to KJ Hamler, no one shot. Because that's his because that's his that was his history at Penn State. A lot of speed, high drop rate, but you you, you live with that because you you want the speed, just like you also live with the fact that he ha- he's had hamstring problems for most of the last two years. Maybe your 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 plan for KJ Handler is going to involve accepting that he's probably going to drop one of every ten passes that is on target, and he's going to miss two to four games a year because of a hamstring problem. But you build that into your planning because when he does play and when he does get the ball, he's so daggum explosive. Yeah, I think it also comes down to how you're targeted. I think that's part of Judy's, you know, Judy doesn't have overwhelming physical traits beyond the the quickness of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like fluid hips. Um, but, you, you know, he's not undersized, but he's not a big wide receiver. He's He's got 4-4 speed, but he's not Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, and that on top of the hands, you know, if you're going to put him in a lot of contested situations, he's not always going to win those. But why do that when he's that explosive that, you know, you just get the timing right. You're going to be able to put him in situations where that that's never even an issue. Get the timing Um, right and find him when he's open, because that's that's the thing that last year when I flash back to Jerry Judy's season. I don't think as much about the drops, even though that does come to mind. I think about the play, the route, the routes that he ran, but I also think about how open he was at times and how Drew Locke didn't get him the ball. Yeah, the timing just wasn't there. And then you see you see in OTAs and Teddy Bridgewater appears to be able to find Jerry Judy when he's got mm-hmm. that separation. Mm-hmm. They appear to be on the same page. I mean, it, I think it is fair to say that from a statistical perspective, and if we're going to maybe in a fantasy perspective, we want to bring that in, that which quarterback has the bigger numbers and is the higher fantasy pick, will de- or which receiver yes. is the bigger, oh, is going to, pardon me, depends on the quarterback. That if Drew Locke 100%. wins the job, Cortland Sutton should go higher. Yes, if Teddy yes. wins the job, yes. Jerry Judy should shoot up your draft boards. A hundred percent. And I, I think if Teddy wins the job, Fant probably gets a little more value as well. 
Um, but that's yeah, true. that's right. You're, you're going to see L- Drew take his shots outside and go mm-hmm. get in and challenge defenses vertically a bit more while Teddy's his weak suit has always been beyond the numbers, right? In between the numbers though, he's aces. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you get, give him a clean pocket and you don't put him in a situation where everyone in the stadium knows, okay, they got to mm-hmm. pass it on third and eight in this crucial two minute drive. Yeah. Um, but you know, so that aside, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, yes, yeah. it's really interesting. And Judy's also going to be, I think the guy that you mentioned third and eight, you need 10 yards on third and eight. I think that's going to be Judy's wheelhouse. We actually, as, as Hank and I talked yesterday, we went down this rabbit hole of using the quarterback situationally, like <laughs> literally saying, all right, Teddy's going to be the guy that gets you to the 20 yard line. We're going to put Druin in the red zone because that's where Teddy's lack of arm strength really, I think causes problems is in the red area where you got to, you got to zip it on in, in the compressed area, more, more defenders, less Mm -hmm. space. It's almost like Bruce more mobile too. You could do more RPO stuff as well. Yeah. It's almost like Bridgewater should be the guy that gets you the 20 yard line. And then Drew and then Drew takes you the rest of the way. And then in terms of overall game, if, you need a comeback. You need a big drive in the last eight minutes of regulation. Drew plays. So it's it's very much like the ideal thing, possibly if they were if if they really want to go so far outside the box that people would think it'd be crazy. And you could really only do this for one year. It shows also oh, that kind of what both quarterbacks are missing. But you almost maybe treating them as a starter in a relief picture isn't the dumbest idea here. Well, it, Harbaugh didn't do it to th- quite this extreme, but almost with Alex Smith and Kaepernick. Yeah. And Urban Meyer with Leak Tebow kind of had this vibe. I remember that back in uh, 06, right? Yeah, and I mean... They won a national like, title, right? They won that a is- national title. <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> those Niners were 14-2. and two. They were the you know, they were the story of the NFL that year. That was oh my gosh. a great turnaround. So, I don't you know. You guys aren't so crazy after all. Well, I mean, look, if you're a 30... If you're a 35 or 40-year-old Bronco fan or older, you've seen Dan Reeves alternate plays with his quarterbacks. So it's not the craziest thing we would have seen around here, mm-hmm. but the pro- the thing is, is it sustainable long term? Right. Absolutely not. No. Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. Might nope. it allow you to maximize this year? Yeah. Possibly. I I just I think it's something that if both quarterbacks show that their skill sets and strengths are the same, I think it's something that maybe you have to at least think about a little bit because I I wish I could take what drew is missing in terms of short to intermediate precision and being able to scan the whole field. I wish I could, I wish I could trans I could take transplant that from Tay to drew. I wish I could take drew's arm strength and give it to Teddy. hundred percent. Can't do it. I mean, and that's why this competition is going to be so fascinating because literally both of them, or pardon me, each of them is missing what the other possesses. They're jigsaw puzzle pieces that fit, fit perfectly together, but then you separate them and you know they're, they're only half of what they could be. Which then turns it into more than just a quarterback battle. It's a, <laughs> it's a philosophical, stylistic battle. It's how do you see the game? Do you protect the ball or are you a risk taker and you go for it? Um, yeah. Oh, 
it's it's wild stuff. Before we move on, want to tell you about DraftKings. Of course, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only our favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. And speaking of the United States of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold medal, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for our listeners. Listen to this. You can place any pre-event wager of $1 and be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on a U.S. athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get on all the action. We love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. We love DraftKings Sportsbook. We know you will too. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if the U.S. wins a medal. That's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And let's make our DraftKings pick of the week. Dre, you are one of the brains that is a part of DNVR bets. What do you have for us? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm still figuring out my daily slate. It's a tricky one since this podcast is what it is. And we've talked about uh, college football and what have you. <laughs> I, uh, I'm bullish on Clemson to win the national championship. All right. Good, good choice. What are the odds on Clemson right now? Plus 325. And uh, yeah, I think much like Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think Clemson will have a four year window of having the best player in college football. Okay, that's fair. I'm going with one from today. And it's kind of a go to for me. The pictures going against the Atlanta Braves over under on strikeouts. You've got Reese Nair of the Padres starting the second game of a double header today. So seven innings per game here. So mm-hmm. you're talking yes. about a, a low over under on strikeouts, but it's 2.5 strikeouts. The Braves, they're a free swinging lineup. They tend to have some high strikeout counts from time to time. I'm, I don't think it's going to be massively on the over probably about four strikeouts, but I think Nair's going to hit the over for the Padres. So that's what I want. That's what I want. That's my pick for the day. And the over-under on strikeouts when facing the Braves has been a go-to bet for me here in the DraftKings pick of the week. Yeah, where do they rank in strikeouts? They're they're right at the top, right? I, I believe if they're not the top, I, I want to say they're second or third. But this is just, but this is kind of a stylistic thing for the Braves. It was the case last year as well. They, nope. they, nope. they like to swing for the fences. Uh, even cool. without Ronald Acuna, uh, they, they bring in Jock Peterson. He's got power as well. So they basically re- they lose Acuna. They replace him in the lineup with another guy who's, who's going who's gonna to strike out from time to time. Nope. So just kind of how they're structured and me knowing my team all too well. If you want to know the teams uh-huh. in Denver, check out DNBR and subscribe. We appreciate you listening, of course, as always. Thank you for riding with us. If you become a DMVR member, you can join the conversation, this podcast, by getting in on the comments section. But you can also get so much more. For example, the DMVR Golf League. You can sign up week to week. Follow DMVR Golf on Twitter for those updates. You can chat in the members-only Discord. You come on down the DMVR bar for a watch party. You'll get extra raffle tickets to win free gear. 
You can read our written content. Plenty of that on all the Denver teams. You get a free DNVR shirt and you get weekly member deals in the DNVR locker. And of course, at the DNVR bar, get a big beer for the price of a small beer. So that's the be- those are the benefits of becoming a DNVR member. Why don't you join our family today? Also, I want to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. I mentioned that big beer for the price of a small beer. Well, there's a lot of Breck beers you can choose from at the DNVR bar. They're the official beer of DNVR. They've also got those good company hard seltzers being sold in the DNVR bar. We love our beers. We love our seltzers. But we love even more this summer is the fact that Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association. Last year's tragic fires in Colorado were devastating for so many. This is one of the many reasons that Breck is donating 1% of all of its profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. So if you buy, if you buy a pint or a pack of Breck brews, you donate 1% to that great outdoors. We'll have some events at the DMVR to, bar to promote this, and you can enter to win a $30,000 escape pod trailer if you head on over to the Breck Beer website and enter to win. So go to breckbrew.com slash ingoodco. That's breckbrew.com slash ingoodco for more details on winning that $30,000 escape pod trailer. And of course, don't forget about the farmhouse, their restaurant down at their brewery in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use that magical code DNVR to save $5 off your order. They'll bring it right out to your car for you. So check that out as well if you're in the Denver area. If you do it, if you do your trip to Denver right, you get to the DNVR bar and you get down to the farmhouse as well. You're going to be here for a couple of days. Get to both. And you will not be disappointed with either the farmhouse or the DNVR bar. Whew. Well put. How'd that all? How'd that all sound, Dre? I'm I'm never sure how my reads sound. I'm a little great. All right, they are fine endorsements of our great products. Do I? I sound like I'm really. I I I believe in what I'm I'm pitching because I do. A hundred percent. Yes, it sounds very genuine. I mean, I appreciate of your reads. Oh well, thank you very much. Because I'm not really a beer drinker, but I love fruit beers, and I love Mm -hmm. strawberry sky. Absolutely. So I, I I can I can sell I can really sell that. So. The the quarterbacks, and I mean, <laughs> people probably think I'm crazy for suggesting that situational platoon, but unless we see huge growth, most likely from Drew Locke, unless he, he shows the growth in reading defenses when he's not rolling out, when he's reading the whole scope of the field, I, I, I don't see a, a way I don't see a, a way that he's going to win this job. And frankly, I think getting him on the field and playing to his strengths, whether it's uh, you know doing a little more play action than would be ideal or getting him out there in the red zone, I think would help build his confidence. If your priority is to try to find a way to develop Drew Locke, I think you start by putting him in positions where he's equipped to succeed. Yeah, no, 100 percent. 100 percent. You have to. Where do, what do you think this season ends up being like for Drew Locke? Because you said earlier that you think Teddy's going to win the job. Yeah. Assuming Aaron Rodgers is not walking through door number three, what do you expect for Drew this year? I mean, I expect him to be very competitive. I expect there to be several moments during the preseason and training camp where he looks like he might just win the job. Um, I, I mean, I expect it to be quite close. And I, frankly, I think if Drew can just tap into where he was at in his rookie year, um, he would win the job. Uh, I just, 
what scares me is what what I was seeing his senior year at Missouri and what I saw this last year as a Bronco. Um, I really thought some significant progress had been made that rookie year where it was just very, very good at playing on that edge of knowing when to take his shots but not overdoing it, also surviving to live another day. But um, I just saw some some horrendous regression from a quarterback who clearly was just trying to do too much. And that led to some, some mistakes that probably looked worse than they are. Um, But regardless at this level are inexcusable, you know, and there were some beyond drew. I think there were some general issues with the entire attack, like the way they couldn't pick up a blitz coming off the strong side um, all season was just uh, Mm -hmm kind of i mean there are things that at this level you shouldn't be seeing yeah um so and he certainly played a huge part in that so i think it looked worse and the things that can be fixed would really clean up a lot um but yeah i i fear that he's lost a bit of that uh, mental fortitude and that ability to really balance when to take his shots and when to survive to live another day. And uh, that that's really going to hurt him in this quarterback competition with Teddy. Yeah. And I hope he can take the next step forward, but based on most of OTAs, I think we kind of saw a little bit of that continuation. I mean, clearly I think he's trying to make himself into a more mistake free quarterback. And uh, I actually believe it was on a, um, it was on a podcast. I saw the quote this morning uh, where Shelby Harris uh, was asked, you know, about the quarterback position. And it was basically about wanting the guy who turned the ball over less. And sometimes I felt like when I was watching Drew at OTAs, I felt like you could almost kind of see him going through the mental process and it wasn't really a, a, a reaction like you want like you want him to that when it's first when it's first read and when it's play action you've got only kind of and, and you have a limited number of options he looked good and smooth but when he would just drop back and scan the whole field that he got into, into trouble now the thing about it is you could give him scenarios where everything is first read or play action you could do that yeah and it would RPO get you by game. for it for for a game or a few weeks yeah. it's not sustainable for the long term. And that's kind of the thing that you kind of come to. You want to build his confidence, but at the same time, you know that if he's going to go to the level at which you build a franchise around him, that he has to grow in certain areas and that, and that growth process can be painful and can involve living with, with, with mistakes. And to kind of allude to something you said earlier about the, the coaches, they're sitting there on the hot seat. Can they, can they live? Can they afford to live with that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's a, it's a delicate situation. It's an intriguing battle because of how different the two quarterbacks are. What quarterback style do you prefer? Oh man. Mistake first, free or gunslinger. Yeah. When I first started evaluating, it was mistake free all the way. Um, and as as I've evolved, I've really learned to value um, the gunslinger. 
mm-hmm. because when he's doing when the gunslinger is doing his thing and he's doing it right it's just you know it's just different it's the best it's what you aspire to be as a football <laughs> fan you know you aspire to have that that dynamic offense with that that guy behind the trigger mm-hmm. who's just he he's in control and he knows he knows what he's doing I almost wonder if Drew Locke's better time in this league might have been 20 or 30 years ago because there was a time when it seemed like you could live with in your calculus a certain degree of mistakes if you were going for it, like like Brett Favre. Right. Brett Favre, as great as he was, might drive you crazy today because yeah, yeah. it's very much about making sure you, you don't turn the ball over and you kind of keep things on schedule. You keep the, the line moving, so to speak, on offense. And back in the day, 20, 20, 25, 30 years ago, you could live with a quarterback who threw as many interceptions as touchdowns, but was getting yardage in big chunks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of fascinating. Drew almost kind of has to make his game for this era and yet this era clearly clearly rewards precision. I mean, if you get the guy who has precision and can be the gunslinger, that's the best of all worlds. That's why right. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are, mm-hmm. are who they are. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen has, and, and Josh Allen is kind of making himself into one of those guys because he made himself into a more precise passer. Yeah. Uh, tip of the cap to Brian Dayball for, for the work that he did. Unreal, um, he doesn't have a job. Actually, it's just sort of hit me saying Brian Dayball's name. If you make a coaching change, but you still believe Drew can be the guy, is Brian Dayball the coach you bring in to work with Drew in 2022 to take one more shot wow. at him? Just saying. I mean, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, be, yeah. What a match that'd be. Oh, that would be fun. But uh, Dayball is going to have his pick of jobs, and he's going to also have his pick of jobs where he can say, "I want this quarterback." Yep. So he's going to he's going to be in control. Before we get to the comments and hear from the listeners, I want to tell you about our friends over at Ball, who are sponsoring us across the DMVR network. Ball, as in the new re or new, but not new, but newly renamed. Ball Arena, as in the aerospace technology company, as in the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer. Ball has been leading global sustainability efforts for decades. In 2018 and 2019, Ball Aerospace developed image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space and methane, ozone, even land and water use. Ball's ASI, Aluminum Stewardship Initiative Certification, makes it a leader in the stewardship of aluminum while meeting the highest environmental, ethical, and social standards within their market value chain. By 2030, Ball aims to reduce operational carbon emissions by 55% and across their value chain by 16% from 2017 levels. And they've reached out to us to let us know they need help at their plant in Golden right here in the Denver metro area. They have four manufacturing positions for production technicians and other roles available because they need to make more cans. In 2020, Ball made over 101 billion cans yes that's billion with a b they're adding line capacity to their 400 person plant here in golden because the demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than it has ever been 
And if you've consumed a beverage in a can, like I've got this right here, this Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Major Melon, that's a mouthful. It's a ball can. And there you go. Aluminum is wonderful because of how often it can be reused over and over again. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable. 75% of all aluminum ever that has ever been produced is still in use. I mean, I can tell you it in my home, I produce more recycling than trash and all those cans end up in the recycling bin to be used over and over and over. So that's what ball can do. And it's a great place to work. You know, Zach Stevens talks about a member of his extended family who works at ball raves about it. So check out work at ball on online. Don't forget the hashtag hashtag work at ball online, apply for a position at their aluminum can plant, go to, Text GOLDEN to 77222 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. Also want to tell you about Manscaped. Summer is here and are you ready to unveil your beach spot? Because you're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bob with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, guys. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for a hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with that magical code DNVR. Are. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And by the way, nose hair, you may not think nose hair is a problem. Oh, I'm here worse. to tell you as you get older into your 40s oh, yeah. like me, nose hair is a problem. You start growing hair where you don't want it. Yes. So you need a nose hair trimmer to take care of it and of course that that lawnmower 4.0 is the goat of ball trimmers it features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology has a 7000 rpm motor a new multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave so check out Everything going on at Manscaped, check out the Lawnmower 4.0. Check out the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 at manscaped.com. Use that code DNVR for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Also want to tell you about Solace Meds, a premier dispensary with some hot deals to offer. They got four locations in Colorado and Fort Collins, Tweet Ridge, one off Broadway in Denver and one on East Colfax, just blocks away from the DMVR bar. Here are their July deals. Wild night and day gummies, 50% off all Wana, 25% off, 20% off all Odop pen cured rosin cartridges, 20% off all green dot concentrates, 111 rosin cones, 20% off, and a 10 cent pre-roll or 10 milligram edible when you spend $50. And if you go on over to their Wheat Ridge location, you get a free Solace Bar King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. That's the Wheat Ridge location of Solace Meds. Head on in, mention that code DNVR20, get 20% off, and get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. Solace Meds will make your cannabis shopping a delight. You head on over to their website, view their menu, order online, pick up at your convenience, head on over to solacemeds.com, purchase from there. And like I said, use that code DNVR20 and at any location, you're going to get 20% off your entire purchase. So go to solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. Dre, 
Let's talk to the people, shall we? Let's do it. All right. First one from Onion Booty Bronco, who says, since the Rams lost Cam Akers, should we trade the Melvin Gordon for something delicious? He's older and has a high salary, but what do you think we could get? Anything to help land the discount double-check guy, love Onion Booty. First of all, with any deal, it does run up against the realities of the salary cap. The Rams have a little bit more than 6.9 million of cap space left. So could they afford to take on a $6 million uh, chunk for Melvin Gordon without some other restructures? Probably not because you always want to have some breathing room going into a season. And there are other running backs on the market. They could probably get for about $3 million. I mean, there are reports that they're already talking with Le'Veon Bell. Frankly, if a trade were to be made regarding a Bronco running back, I think it'd be Royce Freeman. Interesting. Yeah. For a conditional that, seventh round pick, basically. That'd be a logical solution. Um, yeah, Melvin's going to be a tough one to move because of that contract. He's only being moved to a team that has title aspirations, loses a running back to injury, and also we have to throw in kind of the cap considerations as well. And he's only being moved once those other running backs are gone. And as long as there are viable running backs on the market, I mean, I saw uh, a list of potential running backs yesterday. They included Frank Gore, (laughs) the ageless Frank Gore, who's still on the market. Something tells me he's going to turn up on somebody's roster. And as long as you have those guys out there, it's kind of hard to trade Melvin Gore. Yeah, you're true. I mean, it's really true. So anyway, moving on. Next one coming up from Melbourne Bronco. Hi, guys. Loved yesterday's two-hour-plus pod. Outstanding. Just re-asking my question about who started the DMVR bar and universe, one man's dream or a team. Well, we were going to have RK answer that, but uh, he is on assignment today. Dre, you've been around DMVR longer than I have, and and you know more of the origin story. So tell us about the, the start of the DMVR bar and the DMVR universe. Yeah, so Melbourne Bronco, for all sorts of in-depth stories on this, go check out the Bosses pod DMVR Biz, Mm -hmm. which really gets into a lot of this stuff. Um, But yeah, it was more an opportunity that came about because of all you, the great community that is Mm -hmm. DMVR. um, And, you know, we, we were affiliated with all different sports bars around town, and we would pack those places and do watch parties and what have you. And this opportunity came along and that's um, how the, the bar came about and how we then all those different things we do with bars all centralized in one location. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's how everything uh, moved forward. And Eric did the design and, you know, the vision just kind of came through that way. Yeah. And the DMVR bar in particular, of course, we were partnered with a little pub company on that. And, uh, I actually remember it as the uh, as the three lions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. The iteration that it had as a soccer pub, and uh, yes. I, I would go over there. And as I recall, it was basically one of the few, if places, maybe the only place that I knew that I knew of uh, on a regular basis that would serve scotch That's eggs, true. right? <laughs> which is a hard boiled egg in wrapped in english sausage and it's oh, breaded and fried and you get some mustard on the side and yes it was the english hot coleman's mustard wow have you ever had coleman's mustard uh-uh. I don't it is not so. for the faint of heart 
and it oh. should be used, I would say, sparingly because like if you slap like if you put Coleman's mustard and you slathered it on a burger like French's mustard or something, you're uh, you're you would probably lose a, a year's worth of tears over the course of the meal. So yeah, I, I remember the spot well as the uh, as the three lions. I would go over there and, and I watched a, a few Champions League matches in there over the years, and then it became Colfax Sports and Brew, and that led to the current iteration as DNVR Bar. Although I'm very grateful to note that uh, one thing that does remain on the menu from the Three Lions days, fishing chips. You can't yes. have a bar or a pub without fishing chips. I'll vouch for the fishing chips. They're terrific. Uh, oh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite fishing chips uh, anywhere. And we've got some real good fishing chip spots here in the mile high city and uh, the, the DNVR bar will not disappoint you there. So I'm glad yeah, that is 100%. on the menu, but it's, it's really been kind of, it's really been great. I mean, even though we had the challenges of the pandemic uh, that forced us kind of to close up and then limit the hours, you know, Coming out of all this, you can see how it's become a gathering place. Did I hear correctly that one Tim Connolly, Nuggets right. general manager, was Popeye at the DMVR bar last night? Trivia night. Yep. Just popped by. Popped That's by. Uh, he bought some merchandise from the yeah. from the shop in the back there. I mean, Shelby Harris loved his his visit, yeah. and he yeah. he ra- he raved on camera about the 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 burger with that Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef. Yeah, it's it's really cool to kind of see to see what's happened. My fingers are crossed that eventually we start opening for lunch again at some point. Yes, because I would love nothing more after recording a podcast on site than to just go downstairs and have a bite to eat. Yeah, 100 percent. And as I mentioned uh, yesterday to Hank, I'm really looking forward to Bronco home game Saturdays. Because with all the TVs, we'll have plenty of college football. Yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I want every game on there, but can you, you know, I'm asking just put 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 the Carolina game or the Mizzou game or the USF game on one television, and I'll be a happy man. <laughs> because amazing. Besides, if the Broncos still need a quarterback, people are going to want to watch Sam yeah, Howell, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just, that's just, right. Just saying, just saying. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And like, uh, like Dre mentioned, check out the uh, the DMVR Biz podcast that uh, Brandon oh. Spano did, and uh, you'll get even more stories about it and and how DMVR first BSN Denver, then DMVR came to be, and how we continue to grow. I mean, sometimes I I take a look at the top of our website, and now I see Team DMVR with three players that are on our team. Thanks okay. to the name, image, and likeness uh, rights uh, opening oh. up, and uh, it's like, wow, we have our tentacles in so many things right now. It's amazing. It's really incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible. It, it really is. is incredible. So, Count Locula, Mason, Hank, your Division Three deep dive was podcasting gold. <laughs> Did you hear that? Any of that? No, Dre? I missed that. No. Okay, <laughs> Hank had a up. theory that proved to be correct that. It seems like from the upper Midwest is where mm. a huge chunk of NFL Division Three players come from, specifically uh-huh. like Iowa, Dakotas, Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin. 
course, yeah. Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater. We were joking that if the Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers, they would bring in Jake Kumaro and thus lead the NFL in Wisconsin Whitewater alumni. But it was interesting to talk about this with George Payton because the Vikings are a team that has had success bringing yeah. guys on their roster sure. from from the lower levels of college football and that there, there are a lot of D2, D3 schools up uh, in the upper Midwest yeah. and kind of we and so Hank went through in 2019 where the D3 alums uh, came from and we're rattling off like small school, like Beloit College, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Dubuque, mm-hmm which is yep. right across the border, literally from the state of Wisconsin and a couple of guys from small schools in Minnesota. And it's like, yeah, it seems like the upper Midwest is a hotbed for producing division three to NFL talent. And you know what? That's something that George Payton probably has, uh, ha- has some keen knowledge of from his time in Minnesota. And I think we can expect to see maybe a few more D three guys coming from the upper Midwest to the Broncos. That's really interesting. That's uh, Hank's neck of the woods. And yeah, of course, Adam Thielen's the most famous of those guys. There are some pretty high-end programs, especially in Minnesota and right around that area and the D2 mm. and especially D3 once you start getting into right. the non-scholarship athletes. Um, I think what's interesting, though, is that they tend to produce more than other successful D3 programs. Like, for example, like, you know, Mount Union is a hugely successful yep. lower-level yep. program. So is John Carroll. And yet it's schools like 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 Wisconsin, Whitewater, and some of the smaller Minnesota schools that seem to produce players at a higher rate than the Division three schools in Ohio. Yeah. How do you it's, explain that? It's really interesting. Maybe they maybe it's just the case of those teams in the upper Midwest, the Packers and Vikings, who've had success finding guys from that neck of the woods, mm-hmm. they scout them better. Yep. And yep. they give more chances. So, yeah. And of course, I mean, the Broncos have had some real success with undrafted guys in their neck of the woods, you know, right. you, you better take advantage of that scouting staff and uh, those shorter drives, you know, although strangely, they've let the Pueblo guys get away. I know I, that's D2, but still. Yeah, but high end D2, high oh, yeah. end D2 guys, you should know. Yeah, I keep thinking back to uh, the CSU Pueblo guy for the Rams is it Alex Morgan? Um, the he, I mean, he was top forty in sacks the last season. Um, right. Of course, Eckler's the other D two guy who's really blown up and done some big things. Um, Ryan Jensen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, they they've produced and but what I love about Peyton and his staff is he's just a scout scout. Yeah, you know, I'm because the Vikings they draft guys from Minnesota. They drafted Moritz Boringer from German's semi-pro yes. league as well. They leave no stones unturned, you know, and uh, that's the kind of guy he is. Like Tim Conley, I I love that. You know? Yeah, and the other thing, of course, with Peyton is the more darts theory that mm-hmm. he wants to have at least ten draft picks, and yep. he's willing to trade down. And that was another thing we got into yesterday, kind of a uh, Hank doing some research and finding out that you actually are better off trading down and accumulating yeah, more picks, right. even though it may represent a sacrifice in the, on the point value of draft capital count Lockula continues with, with George Payton's affinity for these dudes from micro programs. Might we see more FCS draftees in the future as these schools are more prominent than D three in the Western regions. That's possible. Certainly do we, we maybe see, we see more big sky from the Broncos. Maybe we see more division two. We see our Mac guys coming in because uh, it had, it had mm-hmm. been, since 2006, 
since the Broncos drafted a guy outside of D1 when they drafted, uh, of course, uh, Quinn Miners. The last guy before that, I believe, was uh, Chris Cooper. North Dakota. Wow. North yeah. Dakota was D2 at the time. They're now, F- they're now FCS. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Count Lockhill also says, also, Hank, hit, why don't you ever hit me up for a round when you're in Montana? I'm literally an instructor at your alma mater. Go Grizz. Love the Count. Well, I know Hank's up uh, not too far from Kalispell right now, so he's not really anywhere near uh, Missoula, but mm. he gets back to Missoula from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Kalispell. his ears on that count. Yeah. Kalispell. Mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually learned uh, from Hank that Brock Osweiler uh, officiated and gave him a touchdown once. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even know that. That's incredible. Peel back the layers. You're going to peel back the onion. You're going to find a lot of layers. Like at that. No back kidding. And no. finally, Mrs. Quill says, this is the worst case scenario for me, but if Denver struggles and Fangio is let go, who are your top potential guys for Peyton to bring in for interviews to be the new head coach? And who is your dream candidate? Thanks guys. You're all the absolute best. We mentioned Brian Dayball earlier, offensive yep. coordinator Big from time. Buffalo. He's mm-hmm. going to be on a lot of radars. Oh yeah. I'll say this. If it's me, Dre, I generally prefer somebody to have prior head coaching experience. Mm. Let, let that coach make their mistakes on someone else's dime. Yeah, if I'm an 100%, 100%. owner. And I think retreads have a bad name and you go through the last 25 years and obviously Bill Belichick has a chunk of these, but 18 of the last 25 Super Bowls were won by coaches who were head coaches somewhere else in the NFL before they had their job. Now, some of them yeah. left the NFL like Pete Carroll, was with with the Jets and the Patriots, goes to Coach SC, comes back to Seattle and has a lot of success. But I do think there is something to learning from your prior experiences. And so that's why two names that are really high on my list if the Broncos make a change are Todd Bowles and Doug Peterson. Interesting. Those are really good ones. Um Doug Peterson would be intriguing. Of course, that Andy Reid tree having, you know, having someone like that that knows him so well in his same division, I think would make him mm-hmm. more uncomfortable than maybe the average fan realizes. Yeah. And I think that Doug Peterson, I think now as we sit here, he's probably already the top candidate for a 2022 job in coaching league wide. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a draft guy. I'm a college football guy. So first and foremost, I'd go after Lincoln Riley. You know, if I was a billionaire and going into space, new owner, that's where <laughs> I would, uh, that's where, you know, I'd do the, you know, kind of like, uh, the Khan family when, uh, went after urban Meyer hard, I would kind of try to do that with Lincoln Riley or um, David Tepper going after Matt rule. Although at least rule had yep. some NFL yes. assistant experience before yep. or yeah, urban Meyer had none gosh, you're taking a risk. Um, in fact with Lincoln Riley, but he's a, he's a hot name. And I mean, everyone wants that hot offensive play caller. He's that. And like Dable, for example, he at least has the prior head coaching experience though, obviously in a much different circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, I I realize there's a massive difference in being the head coach at Oklahoma and the big 12 and having to coach the Broncos past the Kansas city chiefs in the AFC West. You know, What are your thoughts on Matt Campbell at Iowa state? Because in NFL circles, that's Seen a name highly. for the last yeah. about yeah. 18 months. I hear nothing but praise from people I know sure. around the league. 
Yeah, and I mean, you look at Iowa State, uh, he's built quite the program. They're really very effective. Um, you know, he's kind of fall. You could have said this about Michigan State or Iowa a couple years ago. You could have said it about Stanford. They're that classic team that with three-star recruits is able to compete year in and year out against those programs who have four and five-star recruits. Um, he doesn't excite me a lot as much, though. I think he's kind of a hot name. I tell you, he's lost a lot of shine, but David Shaw would be my other college guy. He's had some prior NFL experience. He's been able to win without the resources that the other teams he goes against have. He's got that Harbaugh tree. He's been able to have different offenses and succeed. It's not necessarily the spread. They've gone more like all in on heavy personnel and run Mm -hmm. the ball with, you know, even explosive guys like Christian McCaffrey. David Shaw, though, would still appeal to me a lot. Yeah, he'd appeal. I, I'm actually a, a name that I'll throw out there, kind of similar in terms of the, the style of program being run. A lot of things translate to the pros is uh, Paul Christ at Wisconsin. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. what's interesting there, a familiar name to Bronco fans, is their defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, who, of course, played for the Broncos back in 02 as a Wisconsin alum. And he turned down the defensive coordinator job with the Packers but is somebody that is kind of highly regarded as a, a potential future head coach. And I, it's almost like I, if you were grabbing Paul Christ, I would hope to also grab Jim Leonard with him as my defensive coordinator. I mean, cause clearly he's, he's on some radars. Now I don't think you're going to look at him making the Lane Kiffin like leap from coordinator in college to head coach in the NFL but being somebody who played in the league a long time, played for the Ravens for a while, was a long, around a lot of bright minds in the NFL. I don't think it would be the craziest thing to give him an interview. Right. And if you were looking for a coach and kind of see if, and, and kind of, you'd, you'd be, you'd be kind of buying low, but the only problem is again, he hasn't been a head coach. Me personally, yeah. I like to pick the brains of guys who haven't been head coaches, but I'm still looking for that guy who's been head coach. The other thing is this. Is it better to go offense or defense? I mm. think there was a time where defense was probably the way to go. Sure. But here's what happens. If you have a defensive head coach and your offense does well, because everybody is so offensively inclined, that, that you're going to lose your coordinator to being another head coach, to an, another team giving a head coaching job, pardon me. Whereas... If you have an offensive head coach, you might lose your coordinator, but you're going to keep the philosophy. No. So you're so from that regard, if you want to have that dynamic offense and offensive consistency, you're probably better off having an offensive head coach. So if you lose your OC and do well, you still have kind of the brains, the guy, the, the guy running it. And that's where Doug Peterson, I think to me has a lot of intrigue similar to what Andy Reed, part of the appeal of him in Kansas city. Yeah. They lose Matt Nagy, but Andy Reed is still there. They just go on to the next guy and they just keep right on humming. And Doug Peterson can be that kind of coach where, yeah, you might lose offensive coordinators, but you're still going to keep the same philosophy and consistency. And so I hope Vic Fangio does well. I think the Broncos will have a winning season. So I don't think we're going to be having this conversation, but if things do go sideways and the Broncos are in the market for a coach, I'd say Peterson's probably top of my list. Interesting. Yeah. I'd go, I'd be intrigued by the college route, but I would Mm -hmm. certainly check out 
guys who've been on previous uh, Broncos staffs and, you know, Don Wink Martindale has been phenomenal with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Not so great in that stretch when he was in Denver, but, you know, he's clearly found something out. And yeah. Dennis Allen, to me, is another guy. You know, you talk about retreads. Mm-hmm. He's been in this division before. He's He's been a coach for the Broncos before. He's had success yeah. as a D.C., and then what does George Payton do? Because kind of you start yeah. with Payton, then yeah. you start saying, okay, where are the connections? If, if he did look for another coach, I mean, obvious place to start would be connections in Minnesota. Um, and then uh, that the kind of the interesting one would be if the Vikings offense does well, Clint Kubiak, yeah. you take a look at Clint Kubiak. Of course, he's going into his first year as OC if you wanted someone with head coaching experience, this was a guy who was there several years ago. He's rebuilt his reputation in Buffalo as a defensive coordinator. And that's Leslie Frazier, who was the Vikings head coach, got them to the wild card with Christian Ponder, basically hanging the, handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson back in 2012. But if it, but kind of putting myself in Peyton's shoes, I do even they did move on from from Frazier in Minnesota, but by all accounts, not a lot of uh, ill will or anything like that. Right. Would not be surprised if the Broncos were in the coaching uh, hiring mode early next year if Leslie Frazier was pretty high on their list. Those are two great names, of course, both. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I haven't been very impressed by the Bills' defense since McDermott's got there. You know, the offense has been so just like the Vikings offense needs mm-hmm. to take a jump. So would the bills defense for mm-hmm. all of a sudden those to be legitimate candidates, but those are great connections to be made with Peyton. Those are great. names. And of course there's, Hey, maybe he worked with Nick Saban briefly a long time ago, but Nick Saban isn't coming back and he's not going to be subserving. He's going to keep coaching at Alabama. Dre appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun, my friend. Same here. Same yeah. here. Always a pleasure. Before we go, I want to tell you about green mountain dental group the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. Of course, they're located in Lakewood. They're big-time Colorado sports fans just like you are. And we've heard from some of our listeners who tell us that they switched to Green Mountain Dental and making their permanent family dentist, and they let us know how great their experience was. Here's the deal with Green Mountain Dental. If you sign up to get a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. This is the toothbrush that I use. It is terrific. It'll it'll make sure it promotes good brushing habits because you'll hear it beep every 30 seconds. That's when you move to a different quadrant of your mouth. Like I said, good brushing habits from the Sonicare toothbrush. If you join up with Green Mountain Dental Group and become a patient, they'll send you a card after you become a new patient. And if you have surgery, they will call and check on you a few days later. That's something our sales director, Lindsay, found out. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area. For Andre Simone, I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you tomorrow. Henry Chisholm, Hank, is going to be back in with me. And then I guess you're back in Friday, right? That's right. Is that, yep. the, that the plan? It's going to be you, me, you and uh, Ryan Konigsberg in the studio, it looks like, on Friday. So we apologize for not having a live show today. Had some, Just had some issues uh, getting things together. We'll be back live on Friday. Podcast, of course, on Thursday with Hank, Henry Chisholm, joining me from Montana. So check that out. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
Take you back one last time down the cotton. 